0: My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. At times in our Lord's preaching, our Lord is very demanding. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life, for my sake, will find it." We can imagine if these were the first the first words we ever heard our Lord preach, right, how striking they would be. We might be tempted to say, well, who do you think you are anyway? Not worthy of you for not loving you more than my father, my mother son or daughter not worthy of you for not taking up a cross to follow you those who find their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it who do you think you are and of course the the deep answer lord is that your god the same god that our lord Tells us that we need to love with all of our soul and with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, everything we have. He deserves and demands and needs to be put in first place. And this was something that was reinforced by the teachings of the apostles, the teachings, the letters of St. Paul. writing into the Corinthians, St. Paul says, Make love your aim. ten Pursue the love. To love God above all things, to love my neighbor as myself, Lord, to love my brothers as you have loved me. And for this, of course, we need We need the Lord's grace, we need his help. We can't do this on our own. But we also need that foundation of the human virtues. Perhaps, especially in this context, we need temperance. The moderation of all of our other loves. Lord, if I'm going to love you with the truth of charity... Responded to the value that you have in yourself. Well, my desires for all other things, my enjoyment of all other things, needs to be tamped down, needs to be cut back, needs to be moderated. The Catechism helps us. Temperance, the Catechism reads Temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created goods. It ensures the will's mastery over instincts and keeps desires within the limits of what is honorable. There's a lot going on in our soul. There's a lot going on in our mind, in our heart, in our bodies. And Lord, for us to love you with all of that, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, there has to be order. The soul is a little bit like a high school classroom. Twenty-something kids in there, and they're all different. And some are good, right? Some Some want to learn. Perhaps they need to be encouraged, to be more charitable towards the others. They want to learn too much. They need to care about others more, not their their own grades. Some are good-hearted, but a little bit too wild, and so they need to be subdued with some good advice and corrections. Some are too shy. They need to be drawn out. And some are just rebellious. Mean. Looking to disrupt things on purpose. Delighting in chaos. Their own will. And in a high school classroom or classroom with teenagers, if the teacher is not in charge, well, no one is happy. Especially the teacher. Well, maybe the worst kids are happy, but they shouldn't be. And the authority of the teacher rests primarily in, in a certain sense, imposing his will. We're here to learn. You're here to learn. And I won't let you get in the way of your learning or get in the way of the learning of the others. And the first time, the first year that you've taught, if you're a teacher, that you've ever taught teenagers, is notoriously painful, difficult. I remember teaching 8th grade religion when I was about 23, and it was a total disaster. I totally dreaded class. And I would literally go to the chapel sometime before the 8th grade religion class and I would pray for anything for that class not to happen earthquake, hurricane, heart attack, you know, whatever, Lord, just don't let that class come to be. I remember waking up once, choking my pillow. Because in my dream, it was, a, it was an eighth-grader named Goodwin Eshelman, and I was literally trying to choke the life out of him. I wonder where he is now. But... And our souls are a little bit like this, right? There's lots of things going on. Fears, desires, insecurities. Thoughts, emotions, joys, sorrows. It's complicated. It's messy. And Lord, it needs order. It needs someone in charge. It needs someone to impose order. Get them all on the same page. As a teacher has to impose that implicit message, we're here to learn. So, too, Lord, you and my soul and and me, my will, my intellect, my heart, with your help, has to impose that mission in my soul. We're here to love. Here to love God above all things. My neighbor is myself. And that's going to take some work, some moderation. Again, the catechism. The temperate person directs the sensitive appetites toward what is good and maintains a healthy discretion. It quotes the book of Sirach. Do not follow your inclination and strength walking according to the desires of your heart. Temperance is often praised in the Old Testament. Do not follow your base desires, but restrain your appetites. Again, from Sirach. In the New Testament, it is called moderation or sobriety. We ought to live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world. St. Paul writes to Titus, And then the Catechism offers this wonderful passage from St. Augustine tying together the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude with, with charity, precisely with that most important of all the virtues, love of God and others. Augustine writes, to live well is nothing other than to love God with all one's heart with all one's soul, and with all one's efforts. From this it comes about that love is kept whole and uncorrupted through temperance. No misfortune can disturb it, and this is fortitude. It obeys only God, and this is justice. And is careful in discerning things, so as not to be surprised by deceit or trickery. And this is prudence. And that might not be a bad way of doing an examination of conscience. Looking at our lacks of love. Looking at our inability to love. Or our explicit lacks of charity. And then asking ourselves, Lord, well, what's the cause Is it a lack of strength, of fortitude? Is it a lack of temperance that something else is being given too much importance, too much value in my life? Is it a lack of prudence? I'm, not just, I'm just not thinking about others enough, practically, how to serve. Or justice, I'm just being selfish. I'm giving myself too great a share of my energy. My time, my thought. Do not follow your base desires, but restrain your appetites. From Sirach. Restrain your appetites. So there's no temperance, there's no, moder- there's no moderation without self-denial. This is our lot since the fall this concupiscence, disordered desire. And Lord, we all have something like this, at least one thing. Something I desire and enjoy immoderately, too much. And the way we talk and the way we think about things can be a very easy indicator of this. I really like X. Or I'm all about Y. or I live for X. And those are indicators that we like it too much, that we're attached to it. I really love to eat. Yeah, I eat too much. I really love Netflix. Or to be on my phone, or whatever. Aristotle in his ethics. Now in everything, the pleasant or pleasure is most to be guarded against, for we do not judge it impartially. It clouds our judgment, the things that bring us pleasure. We're not objective in their, in their regard. We all tend to feel towards pleasure as the elders of the people felt towards Helen, as the elders of the people of Troy felt towards Helen, and in all circumstances repeat their saying, For if we dismiss pleasure, thus we are less likely to go astray. And what did the elders of Troy say about Helen? Well, basically they said, she's not worth it. In Homer, we know that Paris steals the beautiful Helen from Menelaus, the face that launched a thousand ships that stunning beauty of Helen. And the Achaeans to revenge this offense launch out against the Trojans and they start the Trojan War. And this is what um, what those elders of Troy said about Helen from Homer when they saw Helen coming towards the tower they said softly to one another small wonder that Trojans and Achaeans should endure so much and so long for the sake of a woman so marvelously and divinely lovely still fair though she be let them take her and go or she will breed sorrow for us and for our children after us. It's not worth it. Yes, beautiful, comely, pleasing, but not worth it. A breeder of sorrow. Suffering. Lord, how is my list of small mortifications in your eyes? small daily acts of self-denial that help me pray and help me be attentive to others and help me not to waste my time. We read in the Forge, you will have as much sanctity as you have mortification done for love. And here I think in our day and age, we need to be especially aware of intemperance in in amusement, in distraction. Our devices, our computers, our own minds, have gotten very good at entertaining ourselves, amusing ourselves. That was the title of the book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. (laughs) And Aristotle looks at this and says, What a pathetic way to live. Happiness then, blessedness, the best life, the noble life. Happiness then is not found in amusement, for it would be absurd if the end were amusement and our lifelong efforts and sufferings aimed at amusing ourselves. It would be absurd And thanks to your revelation, Lord, we know that any life that doesn't have you as the end, doesn't have charity as the end, is absurd. It's not worth living. And we realize this when we think about it. I remember my father, who since deceased. At one point, maybe 10 years ago now, he had quintuple bypass surgery. And he liked to bet. And so when he woke up out of the surgery, his first joke was, you know, was it the over or the under? Right. And so like three was (laughs) three was the over underline. And so we were betting whether there'd be three or more uh, bypasses in the arteries. And uh, I was talking to him after the surgery and I was trying to encourage him to take advantage of this big change in his life to make other changes. And I said, well, dad, now you can, you know, you have a motive to live healthier. Maybe lose some weight. And I mentioned a particular detail. I said, you know, maybe you can eat less peanut M&Ms. And he said to me, life is not worth living without peanut M&Ms. <laughs> right, absurd. <coughs> But this can happen to us. St. Paul, writing to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them. And now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. And their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Very clearly, Lord, we see here the danger of making pleasure our happiness and therefore the necessity of temperance, mortification, moderation. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. Their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Very profoundly, the Greek word for temperance is sophrosune. Sophrosune means soundness of mind. Soundness of mind is sanity. And so there's a connection between basic mental health and temperance, moderation. And we see this in St. Paul. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. As Aristotle would put it. To make your belly God. Intemperance is a form of insanity. It's insane to be thinking about dinner all afternoon. It's insane to be thinking about my favorite sports team incessantly all the time. It's nuts to get excited about a TV show so much that I can't get it out of my mind when I go to my prayer. It's unhealthy. It's insane, Lord, to be too disappointed when We don't get the little goodies we want just in the right way. We lose our peace and our patience with others because of some culinary disappointment or disappointment in our entertainment. Lord, help us to fight the good fight. We cannot forget that we have within us a source of opposition and resistance to grace. We carry the wounds of original sin, heightened perhaps by our personal sins. My child, your desires for sanctity will be opposed first by laziness, the first front on which you must fight, then rebelliousness, the refusal to shoulder Christ's sweet yoke, a mad longing, not for freedom, but for license, and sensuality, and at all times, and more surreptitiously as the years go by, pride. Finally, there's a whole string of evil inclinations because our weaknesses never come alone. a source of opposition and resistance to grace. Do not follow your base desires, but restrain your appetites. And so, Lord, help us to resist the resistance. Help us, Lord, to have enough fortitude to go without, to mortify, to deny, to keep things in check, And to do this, really to splurge on God, the Psalms say, take the light in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Find your happiness in Him and He'll make you happy. And God is the one thing that we can totally pig out on. right? That there's always a limit there's too much beer if you have too much beer it's bad there are too many Oreos there's too much sun at the beach in all these earthly things there's a limit with God there's no limit we can pray always we can love him always we can always be more generous and that's what our soul kind of longs for this letting itself go And the letting ourselves go in sin and intemperance is kind of a pale shadow of letting ourselves go in God. But it's also an indication of it, right? Uh, Chesterton makes that famous line that the, the man entering the bordello is looking for God. The thing that will really bring us happiness and self forgetfulness, ecstasy, is our Lord. And so at the same time, Lord, I deny myself all these other things. Help me to splurge on you. Find your delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires for your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We go to Our Lady. Her soul rejoices in God. We can ask her for that grace, to teach us that lesson. Our Lady, Our Mother, help our soul to rejoice in the Lord and therefore to fight the good fight to be detached from everything else I thank you my God for the good resolutions affections and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation I ask your help to put them into effect my Immaculate Mother Saint Joseph my Father and Lord my Guardian Angel intercede for me